Hi, I'm Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today about healthcare payments fraud, how to counter the scams. It's my pleasure to be speaking with Robert McGinley. He is the global lead of the Healthcare Counter Fraud and Financial Crime Strategy and Analytics Group within the Fraud Center of Competency at IBM Global Business Services. Rob, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Tom. Let's set some context here right from the start. From your perspective, what are the predominant healthcare financial fraud schemes that you're seeing impact your customers? Well, Tom, I think before we start talking about those schemes, I think it's important to level set when we talk about financial fraud. Especially in the healthcare industry, we use the term fraud very globally, but it really does involve more than just fraud. Fraud is a legal term with legal parameters. But I think in the healthcare environment, organizations are focusing not only on fraud, but also on waste and abuse. And I think it's important to distinguish between those three terms. As I indicated, fraud is a legal term where it requires intent, some sort of misrepresentation, uh, knowledge of the fraud, justifiable reliance, etc. And a judge and jury has to deem it to be fraudulent. Whereas abuse has different parameters, uh, very similar to fraud, but uh, might not necessarily be illegal. And I, and I think waste is also a, a key area in which organizations are focusing on. And really what waste involves is scenarios where there isn't a, a policy, a payment policy to cover how something should be paid or that policy isn't followed. But at the end of the day, within our industry, when we talk about fraud, we really are talking about fraud abuse. But in terms of the schemes that we're talking about, I think two main ways to organize it is to first uh, talk about organized fraud. And organized fraud involves really organized criminal elements that are oftentimes creating fictitious providers and or claims, especially in high-risk provider areas such as home health services, durable medical equipment, etc., those types of providers that aren't necessarily licensed, anybody off the street can basically open a home health agency or durable medical equipment area. And, and these types of providers are oftentimes focus areas for organized criminal elements that are submitting claims for services that have never been provided, out-and-out out fraud. The second category is opportunistic fraud, where we're dealing with, quote-unquote, legitimate providers that might be maximizing their reimbursements through some sort of misrepresentation, whether it be upcoding where they're billing for a higher level of service than they're actually providing or adding on services that might not be rendered. That might also involve collusion, which are schemes where you've got unnecessary services, often involving diagnostic testing or home health or durable medical equipment. Uh, that are ordered by physicians who might gain some benefit. Rob, that's excellent context, and I appreciate you offering the distinction that you did. So when, when we're talking about fraud, whether it's organized or opportunistic, in terms of detection and prevention, where do you see healthcare's biggest security gaps right now? One of the major gaps is healthcare organizations, payer organizations, insurance companies, the government, for example, 
really having a lack of, of knowledge and understanding of their customers. Really, the primary quote-unquote customers within the healthcare claims processing arena are the providers of the service and the members that receive those services. And so I think there is truly a, a significant gap in not understanding as well as organizations could those providers and those members that they're doing business with. A big part of that, and we can, we'll talk about that, I think, is how entity analytics can help organizations in terms of understanding their members of providers. I think another major gap is the fact that many organizations are still taking a pay-and-chase approach as opposed to trying to identify suspect claims prior to payment. And I think a third gap is, is the amount of waste that's within the system where uh, payment policies are either missing or they're not enforced uh, systematically. I think a, a major driver of all these, these gaps is that the healthcare ecosystem is really built on a regulatory foundation that requires these organizations to pay these claims very quickly and then subsequently have to chase those bad claims retrospectively. Rob, let's transition and talk about some of the core tenets of IBM's counter-fraud solution. Detect, respond, discover, investigate. In this context, what's the role of big data analytics? So, uh, Tom, let's dive in a little bit into those those four core tenets of of the IBM counter-fraud solution because we do truly believe that most of everything that an organization might do from a counter-fraud perspective can fall into one of these categories. The first category I typically start with is discover. And discovery really involves taking proactive as well as reactive approaches. But from an analytics perspective, proactively using analytical capabilities to identify patterns, schemes, and those entities that are involved in potential fraud, waste, and abuse. And some of those discovery analytical approaches include entity analytics, uh, really understanding who the entities are that we're dealing with, behavioral analytics, where that's really taking approach of measuring the behavior of homogeneous peer groups. So, for example, looking at uh, cardiologists as a particular peer group with the expectation that uh, that those members of the peer group are going to behave in, it, in a similar fashion and then identifying those behaviors, that, those entities that are, are aberrant from that uh, kind of baseline normal behavior, as well as predictive analytics, being able to use predictors based on past experience to identify what the expected outcomes should be. So that type of discovery approach allows us to be able to kind of look back and identify through historically paid claims and learn from the patterns within those claims. The next tenet is investigation, and that's, that involves the, the response or reaction to any detected offenses that have might, might have been found through that discovery phase. An investigation is typically is uh, we're looking to validate assumptions that have been found through the data and be able to identify reliable evidence of potential fraud, waste, or abuse through the investigation uh, of uh, particular claims or entities, and that might involve review, reviewing claims, reviewing medical records, 
interviews and surveys with patients and, and, and providers. Investigation also involves identification and recovery of, overpay- of overpayments, putting corrective action plans in place, and also monitoring those entities or providers that have historically had issues with the way they, they bill. The third tenet, uh, which is detection, really involves the identification of the potential fraud, waste, or abuse at the transaction level, at the actual claim level prior to payment. So taking that prospective prepayment approach is really covered by that detection category. It's often supported by our efforts within discovery, but also might leverage watch lists, content analytics, and many of the analytical tools that we use, entity predictive behavioral, and then a very robust set of business rules that are primarily designed to identify more uh, wasteful type billing practices. That last tenet of, of responses really covers the response and resolution of those uh, transactions that have been identified prospectively as suspect. And typically that's done through clinical or other type uh, reviews of a claim prior to payment. So in terms of how big data fits into those four tenets, really one of the overarching goals of the effective counter-fraud solution is to constantly look to be able to expand the observation space that we have in place as we're evaluating the data in order to create greater transparency. The goal is to be able to have as much transparency in the way that providers are submitting claims um, so that we can identify potential fraud, waste, and abuse. So in addition to using standard internal and external data sources, internal data sources are typically the claims themselves that are submitted as well as any provider or member information uh, that a insurer or payer might maintain, as well as standard external data sources, which might be OIG sanction lists or watch lists from fraud associations. Expanding into big data means really leveraging other types of data, such as, for example, security data. So being able to access and leverage IP addresses, for example, of those computers that are submitting claims, being able to leverage that data to identify relationships between multiple entities. Certainly social media is becoming a big source of of data in terms of being able to, again, fill in gaps that a payer might have in understanding how providers uh, behave and and, uh, how they build their claims. Rob, follow-up question on analytics. How do you distinguish what you just described to me from the core elements of what you would call a multi-layered approach to fraud analytics? I think that they're they're actually they're closely related. So when we talk about multi-layered, we are in fact talking about being able to leverage the many different means to be able to uh, generate intelligence. Okay, so I would think that historically, if you look back to let's say as recently as 20 years ago, when many organizations were not leveraging proactive analytics, they were taking a much more reactive approach to it, meaning that they had fraud hotlines. And so most fraud investigations were generated or initiated 
as a result of tips or complaints that were being phoned in by members or other payers, et cetera. But as proactive analytics evolved, probably behavioral was one of the, the first types of fraud analytics that were implemented, again, using, uh, using measurements of, of homogeneous peer groups. Uh, but uh, over time, new uh, analytical approaches have been developed, uh, predictive entity analytics, content analytics, et cetera. So by being able to look at oftentimes the same core data set, but from different approaches, uh, I think you're able to be able, you're able to create a much more robust uh, analytical picture of those entities that are potentially uh, submitting fraudulent or abusive claims. One more question about the core tenants. Rob, what do you find to be the keys to both an effective and an efficient investigation? Well, I think that having run fraud units for healthcare organizations over the last couple of decades, one of the most important components of an effective and efficient investigation is a strong platform on which to work that investigation typically known as case management systems or investigative uh, management systems, that strong platform really should support effective content management. So, you know, a case involves content. It involves evidence. It involves documents. It involves uh, images, et cetera. So being able to effectively manage that content is important. Investigations involve processes and, and workflow. And so being able to have strong process workflow management is important so that you have a consistently run investigation and so that the key components of that investigation are consistently worked. Uh, a key component of counter-fraud efforts also involves collaboration. There are many different roles that are typically associated with an investigative unit, a special investigations unit, for example. It involves analysts. It involves investigators, clinical resources, legal resources, et cetera. So the ability to be able to allow those different resources to very easily and quickly and effectively collaborate with each other is important and should be part of that strong platform. Content analytics, strong dashboards, and reporting are also key components to that platform. And then I think another key uh, part of an effective and efficient investigation is that it really does need to be data and analytics driven, that investigators should have the ability to very quickly access and extract all of the applicable claims and other data uh, that will support that investigation and the ability to be able to utilize analytics to clearly identify those issues that should be reviewed as part of the investigative process. Rob, just a couple more questions for you. First of all, as someone who has run fraud programs and certainly helped organizations to hone and run their own, what do you see as some of the tangible benefits that your customers have realized from your counter-fraud solution and your strategy? Well, I think you know, oftentimes the bottom line is the bottom line. And so that involves really the ability to be able to identify and recover overpayments that have been made inappropriately. And so certainly 
within IBM and, and our customers that we've been supporting for 20 years now, we've been able to help them identify and recover billions of dollars in claim overpayments within the healthcare space. We've also helped them generate preventative savings, meaning identifying claims prior to payment and preventing them from going out the door, again, resulting in billions of dollars of savings. Another key benefit that we've been helping our customers realize is the fact that we we can help them change the behavior of those providers that uh, are potentially fraudulent, wasteful, or abusive. Being able to use analytics to identify aberrant behavior and then being able to work collaboratively with those providers and provide them with education, implement monitoring programs, et cetera, allows them to really move the needle in terms of lowering their uh, claim risk costs associated with uh, fraud, waste, and abuse. And then certainly there have been a large number of criminal and civil civil prosecutions and, and, and cases, uh, removal of providers from networks, et cetera. So at the end of the day, by being able to create a really enterprise-wide atmosphere of, of counter-fraud knowledge, I think we've, been a, we've truly been able to help our customers reduce their risks associated with fraud, waste, and abuse. Hey, Rob, final question for you. What do you think are some of the lessons that healthcare can learn from other sectors in their own anti-fraud efforts? One of the things I've learned in my 25-plus years of, of counter-fraud work, both on the public sector and private sector, is that there's really a lack of accountability, maybe better put, pretty significant sense of apathy when it comes to healthcare fraud. It's not personal. It's not personal to to us, each one of us that receive health insurance. We feel that it's a benefit. It's not directly coming out of our pocket, although obviously it is. It just doesn't have that personal nature then that, that, say, you know, credit card fraud has. And so I think if one thing that we can learn is that if we can make it personal, uh, make it personal for us as individuals, make it personal for our employers who are partially funding the health care benefits that we receive, making it personal for our government, I think uh, we will be much more effective in being able to stem the significant cost that we continue to pay in terms of fraud, waste, abuse, and errors within the healthcare system. Very good, Rob. I appreciate your time and your insight today. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tom. The topic has been healthcare payments fraud, how to counter the scams. I've been speaking with Robert McGinley. He's the global lead with the Healthcare Counter Fraud and Financial Crime Strategy and Analytics and the Fraud Center of Competency at IBM Global Business Services. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.